what you've got It's what you give It's not how you die It's how you live It's not what you reap It's what you sow It's not what you keep now It's what you let go Well now Easy does it Don't forget about the past It don't really matter Where I've been or what I've done I'll just keep on searching For that island in the sun And I'll keep searching I'm gonna find mine Greetings and salutations, creature lovers, and welcome to episode five of No More Room in Hell presents Creature Comforts. I am Mr. Venom, and let me introduce my co-host for the evening, as always, with us, Mr. Don and Ellie. How you doing, Don? Eh, not necessarily the uh, best day to have a broken heater in your house, but um, other than that, doing fun. Yeah, well, I mean, at least you're not in Minnesota in February. At least it's California. I know yeah. it's still cold. Obviously, I'm here too. <laughs> yeah, true. I mean, I can, uh, you know, I'm f- forced to actually wear a tank top for once. But oh no! Ooh. <laughs> yeah. All right. And also joining us, of course, is Mr. Derek B. Derek, how the hell are you, buddy? I feel like I'm in Freddy Krueger's boiler room. So if you guys ever want heat here, you're hot. Don's cold. I'm fairly comfortable. If that matters to anyone. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, all right, folks, as we mentioned, this is episode five. It is our first episode of 2022, so I thought it might be kind of fun to maybe take a look at some of the creature features that we can expect in 2022. I found a short list, an article on uh, GodzillaMovies.com that gives us a couple of uh, little uh, kaiju releases for the year. Don was so much more diligent, found a much more expansive list, but then I'm sure he'll pick out a couple from there to talk about. Um, So the first one I want to bring up, I'm just going to bring this one up again. It is one that we've already talked about, but when I first brought it up a couple of months ago, uh, I called it Kaiju Cleanup, which apparently the title of this movie has been changed multiple times. Now its official title in Japan is Giant Monster Cleanup. And then uh, the the working title for what we're getting here in the States is going to be called What to Do with a Dead Kaiju. So <laughs> you've got three different titles there to choose from. Either way, uh, we're looking at, you know, what we talked about before, the, the what happens after a kaiju battle when there is a dead kaiju left behind. And I'm still not sure a whole lot about this film, if this is going to be, uh, you know, a straight either action or maybe uh, have a comedic tinge to it. Don might know a little bit more about it as I believe you've seen a trailer, right, Don? Uh, no, this was the other, the, uh, the other one I saw was the trailer. Oh, okay. My bad. So uh, this one, uh, we have a release date of February 22nd in Japanese theaters. We do not have a release date in America, but once again, it looks pretty interesting. You know, it's something that I've thought about. I'm sure many kaiju fans have thought about over the years. What happens after Godzilla kills, you know, whatever random kaiju he battled? And now we're going to find out. <laughs> so 
Uh, hopefully this will be a fun little movie with a comedic tinge to it, though if not, as long as it's well-written, well-shot, well-made, I'm sure it's something that's going to make us all happy. So looking forward to that one. Uh, once again, no idea when it's going to hit the States, but, you know, fingers crossed that it's uh, sooner rather than later. Going along with a kind of the Shin series that uh, started with Shin Godzilla, we're actually getting Shin Ultraman this year. Um, Shin Ultraman was initially slated for 2021, but of course, with the pandemic that got pushed back, it will now open on May 13th in Japanese theaters. Anyone who listens to uh, our other kaiju show, Underwater Kaiju from Outer Space, is very familiar with Ultraman. We've basically done a series-long retrospective on every episode uh, of that se- of that podcast that we've done. So if you listen to us, you're obviously very, very familiar with Ultraman. If not, uh, though I can't imagine anyone listening to this show hasn't at least heard of Ultraman, but don't know, once again, uh, don't really know a whole lot about this one. Um, it does look that Naranga and Gabora are set to return. So uh, once again, if you're familiar with the original Ultraman series, those kaiju names are are familiar to you. I think Naranga was one that I really liked. Which one was Naranga? Do you remember? He was a- Episode nine. That was the one that had the flower petals. The flowers, yes, okay. I do remember kind of liking that one. If uh, obviously, we're I'm ripping through this Ultraman series with my brothers on Underwater Kaiju for the first time. I've seen bits and pieces of the series when I was younger, but I wasn't nearly as religious a viewer as I was for something like Godzilla movies. So I'm not as familiar with Ultraman. My education with Ultraman is coming right now. Uh, you know, as we go through episodes of uh, Underwater Kaiju, but yeah, I'm having a blast with it. Um, we picked up that Anchor Bay box set for nice and cheap. I think it was like 10 bucks on Amazon. And that has what the, the whole original first series is what, 40 episodes, 39 episodes, something like that. So, mm-hmm. yeah, if you got 10 spare bucks and you like Ultraman, I, I'm pretty sure that box set is still available, though. I do believe there is now a Blu-ray set available. Uh, I know Ultra yeah. Q has one. So, yeah, uh, the yeah there's things. Blu-ray. I think there's Blu-ray sets up through Leo. Awesome. So there you go. Yeah, I, I think they're up through Leo. I think the next one they're doing is the anime series or Ultraman 80. I'm not sure. Nice. So, yeah, yeah the, I, I know for a fact that they're up through Leo. Um, maybe the anime series, maybe Ultraman 80 is the next one on the docket. But um, they, I should also mention that they've also been doing um, a lot of the Millennium Ultraman shows as well. Oh, nice. So, Geed, Orb, X, Gaia, I think Tiga and Dinah have some, and a couple of the others, but um, yeah, I, I'm, the, not, yeah, I'm not as familiar with the Heizai and Millennium Ultraman, so I <laughs> I can't say for sure, but I know if we're going through Heizai stuff, it's through Leo at, at the very minimum. Yeah, nice. with Belial in there, too, and bullshit like that. Yeah. Very cool. Wow, there is so much more Ultraman that I need to brush up on. I am so behind. So, yeah, there you go. Lots to watch. And like I said, in on May 13th, 2022, in Japanese theaters, you will get Shin Godzilla. The next movie on my list is called Brush of the God. This is one that I had not heard anything about uh, before seeing this article. Uh, basically, this is a film that had an unsuccessful crowdfunding campaign in 2020, they reinvigorated that campaign in 2021 and were finally able to get funding. This is going to be directed by uh, Kaizo Murase, Murase, 
who is, of course, a suit maker for countless kaiju dating back to the 1950s. Uh, the movie is called a meta-contextualized story of his love for Takasatsu. Uh, Takasatsu? Is that right? Yeah, Takasatsu. Yeah, close awesome. enough. Uh, so, um, yeah, uh, once again, not a whole lot of information on this one. I don't even have a release date for this one, but it is on this list for 2022. So I would imagine if it just got its complete funding last year in 2021, then I would imagine late 22, maybe early 23 for this one. But yeah, look out for Kaizu Morase's new film, Brush of the God. And then the last one that I'm bringing to the table is one that looks pretty fun, actually. I'm looking at the poster as we speak, and it's a, it's actually a spectacular, like, oil painting poster. I really like it. This one is called Yuzo, The Biggest Battle in Tokyo. This is uh, basically the first kaiju film that's going to tackle the topic of COVID-19. Um, it is a comedy for, you know, just to give everyone fair warning, it is a kaiju comedy. And uh, basically, this is coming to us from someone who was the assistant special effects director on Godzilla Final Wars, Sinking of Japan and various other uh, Ultraman projects. Uh, basically, the description goes, when a giant monster uses the chaos of COVID-19 pandemic to its advantage, an everyman named Yuzo becomes the only sane man that can stop it. Um, pretty straightforward and to the point, a man versus beast type film um, under the uh, umbrella of COVID-19. So that might be fun uh, or it might just be frustrating because we have lived through two years of this pandemic. And I know a lot of us are going stir crazy. Us podcasters luckily have our little outlet to still kind of communicate with human beings, thankfully. Um, but yeah, uh, so this this might be a fun one. Uh, I'm not. It said uh, the description says if you're a fan of Godzilla, Toho, and the MonsterVerse, and are looking for a welcoming online community to share your passion and engage with other diehard Godzilla fans, look at no further than this film. So I I, I guess they're uh, expecting a rather large uh, social media presence for this one as it's based around, you know, COVID-19. So fingers crossed once again that these, along with many other um, kaiju films and creature features in general coming out in 2022 will be of a higher quality. Uh, right now, I'll pass it on to Don. Don, was there any that you wanted to kind of highlight for 2022? I, I did a little research of my own, which basically just amounted to finding a 600-some-odd um, list on IMDb called New Creature Features, Monsters, and Killer Animals. Fun. So um, I'll just read off uh, just a couple. Um, I, I'm not just going in any order. I'm just saying this one first. Um, knowing me, the first movie I'll mention is The Requin, uh, mm -hmm. Killer Shark movie starring Alicia Silverstone. So... Uh, yeah, I'm almost penciling that one in for fresh cuts. <laughs> that could be fun. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm almost penciling that one in for fresh cuts because we missed Great White last year, and it's been three years. We haven't covered a damn shark movie yet. I'm <laughs> penciling it now. That's valid. <laughs> yeah. Uh, another one coming up um, that sounds interesting is called Unwelcome. It uh, looks like an Irish um, film. Basically looks to be a uh, sp it looks to be like a take on uh, The Hallow from a couple of years Whoa. ago. Ooh. Yeah, um, people, you know, outsiders go to a small rural village out in the countryside and come face to face with a local creature. Um, uh, looks to be a little bit more of a serious take, but um, should, it's uh, coming to Shudder, I believe. So uh, fingers crossed on that one. Uh, there's also another one called uh, The Reef Socked. 
which is a, uh, you know, guess what? Another killer shark stalking a survivor of a boat accident movie. Mm. It's the same team that did the uh, first one, so. And uh, there's another one that um, a, f- a few friends of mine are involved in the crowdfunding. Um, they managed to finish shooting it, and uh, they're supposedly going to have the uh, feature premiere sometime later this year called Bermuda Islands. It's about a, a group of people on a, a passenger jet that's uh, stranded on a tropical island and uh, find the island inhabited by a group of uh, vicious creatures. Uh, yeah, they, uh, they managed to do a uh, crowdfunding. I think they raised almost like $70,000 from it. Nice. So, yeah, um, it should be pretty good. I, I've seen some of their previous films in the past, and they're pretty good. Um, I really like them, and... Uh, Kind of looking forward to that one. We just got in word that uh, they're shooting Meg 2. Yay! Looking forward to that one. Yeah, directed by Ben Wheatley. Yeah. (laughs) Is it really? Yeah. Yeah. Wow! Yeah. And also uh, two um, other ones, two small little indie films um, that I'm also really looking forward to. Uh, Don't Fuck in the Woods 2. (laughs) (laughs) That's great. I saw part one. Yeah, I own uh, the anniversary Blu-ray. I got it for um, Black Friday. <laughs> yeah, that one uh, looks to be coming up. And uh, there's another one called Crocodile Vengeance. <laughs> so, um, yeah, the, the plot line for this one um, is a uh, cro- vicious, bloodthirsty crocodile stalks a, f- a woman and her friends at a remote wedding ceremony. So for those of you thinking that that the crocodile attack and alligator was the best part of the film, uh, you're going to get a whole movie surrounding that. So <laughs> awesome. <laughs> yeah, um, I mean, like I said, there's like a 600 some odd oh, yeah. here, and I'm just barely skimming. So I'm uh, going to put this down for now and uh, avoid taking over the podcast for useless material just because. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, Awesome. Yeah, just uh, a few stuff just to keep your eyes on that. Uh, I'm just skimming on the first page here. Uh, like I said, I'm only on page one, and I'm probably on maybe, yeah, I'm barely looking at like entry 40 on this. So uh, <laughs> you could probably, I mean, you can find it up. Uh, it shouldn't be too easy. It's a 600 some odd uh, title entry uh, list. So um, if you want to bookmark that and refer back to it, because from the looks of this, it looks like they're in various stages, because some say announced, some say pre, some say post, some say filming, Hmm. just uh, scrolling for this. So um, most of them look like they have 2022 release dates or at least planning on being released. But um, the ones that I mentioned look like they're close, if not um, on the way. So like I said, I'll uh, refrain from taking over the show at this point. So. Very cool. Well, there you go, folks. You've got a nice selection there of creature features and a lot of kaiju stuff, obviously, mostly from my end, kaijus, because of the source of mine. But it looks like Don has another uh, a lot of great selections there as well. So, folks, before we go any further, let's go ahead and announce our film for the day. Um, we are looking at 1966's Island of Terror. So uh, I'm going to go ahead and play the trailer for you right now. And when we get back, we will jump into our feature review with our first Peter Cushing movie. So I'm actually very excited. I, I absolutely adore Peter Cushing. So this is going to be great for me. So here's the trailer, folks. We'll be right back.
Dr. West, but this is Dr. Stanley. Now, we've completed going over Dr. Phillips' notes, and I must warn you that we're faced with a very dangerous situation. Dr. Stanley? A remote island destined for total destruction. If you think there's something running loose on this island, you can't leave me alone. Tony, this could Please. be very... Don't leave me alone. I'm not very keen on going down in that saddle again. Out of an experiment on life came a devastating death. Science creates. Can science destroy? Now, this is very difficult to explain. But there are some creatures loose on this island, and they're dangerous. What do you mean, creatures? I wish I could tell you more, but we just don't know exactly what they are. Come on, let's get out of here. Listen to me. They're inactive now because they've defined it, but we don't know for how long, and we can't stay here, so come on. Oh, David, I'm so proud. So Fiction or fact, this could really happen. Are you all right? No! This one out here. He's in the car, quick! Can this horror be destroyed? David, hmm? do you really think we can get out of this? Well, I think we, we stand a good chance, a very good chance, yes. But you don't really believe that, do you? Not 100%, no, but I'd like to believe it. Can these terrified people be saved from certain death? Fire, bullets, bombs could not penetrate its impregnable shell. But something did. What? See Island of Terror at this theater soon. folks we are back that of course was the trailer for 1966's island of terror uh this film was written by edward mann and al ramson it is directed by terence fisher it is it stars as i previously mentioned mr peter cushing it also stars edward judge and the absolutely gorgeous Carol Gray, who, by the way, folks, um, this is the future Mrs. Venom right here. I fell in love with this woman. I know we say that a lot on this show, but goddamn, <laughs> the instant she was on screen, I'm just like, whoa. It, it just it, it was kind of like the first time I saw Faye Ray in the original King Kong. I'm like, wow, I didn't think people looked that good in the 1930s. But there you go. So, Yes. Island of Terror. Why don't I go ahead and pass it out? Well, let me go ahead and read a quick synopsis. For those of you unfamiliar with the movie, the synopsis is as follows. An isolated remote island community is threatened by an attack by tentacled silicates, which liquefy and digest bone and tissue. Um, let's go ahead and bring in, let's bring in Derek first, because I think he was the one who brought this movie to the table. Derek, let me know about Island of Terror. Yeah, I thought this would be an interesting one to do on the podcast because, for one, it's ter- it's a non-hammer Terrence Fisher movie, which mm-hmm. is kind of rare. 
it's kind of rare when you think of that, like for his horror output. Mm-hmm. He he's done a lot of stuff with Hammer, and this is like a non-Hammer movie, you know. And it's pretty. I like movies like this that take you know me. I like movies that take place on an island. That's why I brought like movies like uh, Horror Snape Island, aka uh, Tower of Evil, to the table. Nice. I, I like movies with island settings, and you know I like how remote this one feels. And, you know, I just like the story of this one. It starts out like this mystery where, ironically and weirdly enough, this is like one of the, maybe the first movies ever that probably has like every person not fighting with each other. They're like, oh, okay. <laughs> okay, yeah, you're right. Go get that guy. <laughs> you know, just to jump. And it's also the very interesting movie where people that you think are going to be like major main characters in the movie end up fucking dying like 20 minutes later. <laughs> it's it's kind of interesting that aspect alone. And uh, Peter Cushion's character, you know, he's kind of interesting because he's kind of like the comic relief of the movie in a way. Like yeah. I, he's kind of like his like remarks and shit like, Oh, that's kind of hideous. When he sees the dead body for the first time. <laughs> You know, he's funny in the movie, and, you know, the movie's fun. I like the movie. I like how it builds, and it ends with, like, this siege narrative climax where the town folks are all together in this one place, and they're trying to wait and survive against these plant silicone penis monsters. Oh, man. Uh, Don, why don't you go ahead and come in? What'd you think of Island of Terror? Uh, yeah, um, I, I have a lot of fun with it. I'm kind of like Derek. Uh, it, it's kind of unusual just to see Fisher going outside of Hammer and, you know, doing something modern. You know, seeing, you know, Cushing and Lee in various gothic settings is just kind of like the norm with where you're used to with him. So, yeah, this is a fun little change of pace, but... I, I have fun with it. I like the mystery. I like, you know, the first half where you're not entirely sure what's going on, but you've got this fun little eerie build up to, you know, all these mysterious deaths and disappearances. You know, once you get the creature revealed and you try to, you know, you got to get them off the island, then you've got a lot of, you know, fun little confrontations that are, you know, they're not going to be like the kind of stuff that you're used to seeing in creature features nowadays where you're just like seeing them pick people off one by one. You know, you're going to have a lot more. Like you know, the old school style um, attacks and stuff like that. It's it's really fun, and I, I I have a lot to like about those. It it shows its budget at times. It shows its age mm-hmm. here and there, but it's not like they're true detriments. They're just you're 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 just aware of them for the most part. But um, yeah, for the, overall, I, I I really like this one, and it, I I really think it's kind of um, slipped through the cracks. If that's one of those, uh, mm-hmm. you know. Trying to not to use the you uh, word, but you know we'll uh, alter the phrase and just say slip through the cracks. Yeah, I'll go with that. Under discussed, maybe or under. That's a better you word. Better. Yeah. Word. <laughs> Try not right. to use the yeah to use the you uh, word that you're not a fan of. Yeah, I yeah, folks. Uh, for anybody who doesn't know, uh, just to explain really really quick, I hate the words underrated and overrated. I can't stand those terms. I think they are pretentious terms because you're basically saying that 
Uh, when you're saying that something is overrated, you're basically saying that your rating is correct and everybody else's is wrong. And that's just pretentious bullshit. So, Don, thank you so much for not using that word on one of my shows. <laughs> mm. I appreciate it. Um, I think I sit with you long enough. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. All right. So for me, this was definitely a first time watch. I had never even heard of this film beforehand. I've spent the last few years kind of trying to catch up on my horror history. Uh, Hammer, excuse me, Hammer history. Um, because I'm woefully um, uneducated on Hammer. I've, I've been watching almost every month. I'm watching one or two to catch up. Most recently, I watched, what was it, Castle of Frankenstein, I think, which uh, mm. I really enjoyed. That was a really good one. Um, so, yeah, obviously, first time watch for me. And I got to say, I really, really enjoyed this movie, but not for the reasons that I think most people would assume. For me, I'm always one of those guys who says that the creatures in a creature feature can make or break a movie. And with this film, you could make the argument that the creatures are kind of the weakest part of the film. And when I say weak, I'm not necessarily it's not a slam in any way, because I I thoroughly think that this movie is great. It's very well written. It's incredibly well acted. I mean, obviously Cushing is in there, but all the supporting cast do a really good job. Um, it has beautiful cinematography, you know, very modern Irish setting. Obviously, it takes place in Ireland. Um, uh, the, the mystery of it all is very compelling. I mean, you know, we don't actually get to see the creatures until the 41 minute mark of the film. Um, you know, which for an 89 minute long movie, you know, that's pretty deep to go in without seeing the creatures, but that the journey up until then is so, at least to me, gratifying because I really, like I said, I enjoyed the story. I loved how it was basically scientists trying to cure cancer. So here we are, here we are again in a horror film where scientists are trying to help the world, but they end up fucking the world over. Yeah. <laughs> it's a classic trope, but I don't hate it because, like I said, the intention is there. They were trying to come up with some kind of antibody that would literally eat cancer. That would eat cancer cells out of the human body. Unfortunately, they created a silicate that eats everything, bone tissue, you know, just about everything. But the skin and clothes on its victims are, you know, they're basically they're an empty husk. Like early in the film, they find one of the locals in a cave. And at first, I didn't know what was wrong because, you know, the, the camera angle was very ambiguous. They showed the constable of the town kind of just looking over the body and touching it with a stick. I wasn't sure at first if the body had, like, completely disappeared and it was just clothing that he was looking at. But then as the camera panned away, they actually do show a little bit of the hand sticking out of the one of the sleeves, and it looked kind of deflated. Instantly, um, once they make the realization that these bodies have uh, all their bones removed without very many, like there's no major open wounds. They find like in some of the skin segments from the victims, you know, some very minor puncture wounds here and there. So as soon as they made the re the realization that um, something was removing the bones from these bodies, was, was I the only one who thought of Futurama and the bone vampire, Mr. Peppy? Uh, <laughs> maybe. Holy shit! Now that you say that, now that you say that, <laughs> I couldn't get over it. Uh, and, and then I started to think, wait a minute, if the creatures in this movie look like Mr. Peppy, I'm gonna be mad at Futurama for never giving that movie credit because I would have loved to have known that episode was based on something. As it turns out, it is not. It was um, something completely different. But yeah, when we end up finally seeing the creatures. 
They're basically like mounds of flesh, very blobby, probably about the size of, I don't know, maybe a good-sized dog. Uh, and then they have these protrusions that kind of, I don't know, if anybody remembers the uh, Stuart Gordon film uh, From Beyond, and if you remember how the pituitary gland would kind of stick out of yeah. Jeff Holmes' head, mm, think yeah. of that, but like 10 times bigger. And, you know, and I call them blobs with penises. It is an incredibly inaccurate description. Please don't think of blobs with penises in your head because it's not exactly correct. But um, let's not forget, though, that these creatures, when they divide, they shit ramen noodles. Yeah, I, I actually have that in my notes. They, they secrete linguine is what I wrote down because <laughs> they were thick noodles. So I'm like, that looks like linguine, <laughs> which... It's kind of silly when you first see it, but then when you when they start to kind of show that these creatures, like like I said, when you first see the creature itself, it looks kind of goofy. It moves very slow. It's just this round mound of flesh with some kind of protrusion sticking out of it, uh, which turns out to be its mouth, actually, apparently. Um, but then as as they start as you start to find out more about the silicates, the fact that they're basically impenetrable. So, like, at first, I'm like, they're so slow. I mean, what's the problem with killing them? But the problem is, is that their outer shell is impenetrable. We see them throw Molotov cocktails, dynamite at them. Uh, one person tries to take an axe to the to the top of one of them, and the axe does absolutely nothing. It doesn't even dent it. So I love that sense of high stakes, you know, just the, the fact that every time they try to do something to these creatures, it fails miserably. And I'm like, oh, wow, this is going to be great. And then I was actually very satisfied with how the movie kind of culminated, how everything just kind of came together. Um, yeah, this movie's from 66, so we're spoiling the hell out of it. So if you're <laughs> if you are interested in watching this movie, I would say uh, go ahead and pause the show now and go check it out because we're getting deep into spoilers here. Um, as it turns out, they're able to kill the monsters with radiation, but not in the way that you would think in the sense that they're just shooting radiation at the creatures. What they end up finding out is that they end up finding one of the silicates dead on the beach and next to the silicate is like half of a dog's body. And what that, what they discover is that somehow the dog became irradiated Somehow the dog got himself near radi radioactive material. It was probably from the lab right there in the town. Yeah, yeah, I think, I think yeah, because they're trying to do the uh, the study on that. So I think it was I, they said something about it getting into some of the waste or something. Yeah, because yeah, they had like, exactly. the isotope room. I think I think the dog actually came from the lab too. It make I mean that's yeah probably something along those oh. lines. It's not spelled out exactly in the film, but I mean that's that's definitely an easy assumption. Um, so yeah, like I said, it turns out that this particular dead silicate ate half of this dog's body that turned out to be irradiated, and they see that you know only half of the dog's bones have been taken. I mean you know we don't see a great shot of it, but we we see kind of a side shot of the animal. So they figure out that if they feed irradiated uh, bones to these creatures, they end up dying. What ends up happening is uh, they're able to get uh, a large amount of radioactive material from the lab. And then they basically just irradiate all the, the livestock, the cattle of the town. Um, it seems like the silicates prefer humans. It seems like they attack humans before anybody else, but they will take animals if they're around, uh, you know, cows, sheep, things like that. So, like I said, they irradiate all these creatures, 
And then we see the silicates kind of, I mean, we don't see it, but we hear it. We see the horrified faces of the townsfolk as the silicates are basically draining all the bone from the entire town's livestock. Uh, probably their bread and butter for all I know. Um, so they're all in horrified shock. Um, but it does not stop the silicates, believe it or not. They continue moving forward. They continue to attack. At this point, the the entire population of this small town is inside of a church. They're all hiding inside of the town church in the hopes that they can kind of, you know, stay together and stay safe. The original idea was to try to starve the silicates, which that's never a good idea because you have no idea how long that's going to take. Those things could live for months without, um, you know, any kind of sustenance. So for all we know, so not the greatest idea, but uh, of course, the inevitable happens. You know, we get a big attack where, where the remaining silicates are attacking all of the townsfolks in the church. The town folk, of course, panic. Uh, they run all sorts of directions. It seems it's kind of implied in the film that the majority of the town is taken out by these silicates because it seems like there's only like half a dozen people maybe left alive at the end of the movie. Um, but what ends up happening is the, our final five or six survivors of the town are trapped inside of like a storeroom or the laboratory, actually. They're actually trapped in the laboratory within this large building. And literally just as and another reason that I absolutely love this movie is what almost happens. Um, so as as this attack is going on and these people are coming, you know, the, the silicates are breaking into the room. Our main uh, our main character, Dr. David West, um pulls out a syringe with something in it and he looks down at his fiance or a girlfriend. Maybe I don't even think they were engaged yet at this point, but he looks down at his girlfriend. She is absolutely terrified. She's hysterical, terrified. And it looks like he's going to pull uh, the mist, the ending of the mist where he basically um, sacrifice, not, not, not sacrifices, but um, gives them, you know, a, a way to die where they won't be in pain. They won't, you know, they won't be living in fear for the last few minutes of their life. And literally, as the doctor is approaching his girlfriend with the syringe to put her out of her misery, suddenly the silicates all just drop dead. Um, and it turns so it turns out that the radiated meat kind of it, it needed some time to take effect, even though the first silicate that died died halfway through his meal. Apparently, these this next uh, bit of silicates are, uh, you know, maybe a little bit tougher. Maybe they maybe every time they split, because as Derek mentioned, we do see multiple scenes in the film where they split, where one, you know, one silicate splits into two, you know, osmosis. Basically, they reproduce through osmosis. And um, it. This is where we get the, uh, you know, the Derek's ramen noodles, because uh, in between in the seam, in between where they split, we start seeing like this thick, clear liquid, almost like corn syrup. And inside of it is the noodles. You know, we see a bunch of noodles. <laughs> why why that happens is beyond me. What they're, you know, what their bodies are extracting there as they split. But it looks awful. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe it's just the little greenies, like the digested bones. It could be, yeah. Maybe you may, maybe that's just like their waste product. That could be like their version of waste, you know, our poop, if you will. Yeah, um, and I was, I, yeah. I, I kind of look, took it that way too, because it's kind of like, um, I mean, the, the effect is almost as if it's like you know roots or something. Like mm -hmm. I think that's what it's supposed to be is like you know the digested roots and branches. So 
I, 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 I at least took it as like a, you know, expelled waste or something like that. It, it, yeah. It's, it's, you know, I, I thought it was the easiest assumption to make. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, yeah. I'm okay with it. It's not like oh. I'm really even questioning it. Ultimately, yeah. you know, it's a, it's a lower budget film. They do what they can with their budget. I think they did a great job, honestly. I'm willing to forgive maybe some silly effects because ultimately the fact that they don't move very fast um, is countered by the fact that they're basically impenetrable. So you can make fun of them for being slow blobs all you want, but since they're almost immortal, I mean, it's like you make fun. Go ahead and make fun, whatever. I mean, because they split, they, they figure out in the film that they split every six hours. And they figure out that within a week, there'll be like over a million of them. And, you know, the pretty much the entire island of Ireland will be just nothing. It'll be all silicates and and human husks and animal husks all over the place. So, yeah, they they, they really make they kind of make up for the creatures with some of the other effects. Like I thought the dead body itself of the main the main dude was fucking weird and crazy looking when you first see like his face. It's like, yeah. When they pull that sheet from over his face for that first victim, it is, it's a little like, holy shit. Like, I was not expecting that. It, it looks legit nightmarish. Yeah, and plus, uh, when Marf Tarkin gets Luke Skywalker. <laughs> oh, God. What was Darth hand- Vader in this movie? We needed David Prowse in this movie. With that. You imagine, you imagine <laughs> David Prowse had chopped off Mark Tarkin's hand? Oh, yeah, that's right. We get a really good hand chop in here. Um, at one point, uh, uh, Peter Cushing's character, Brian Stanley, is attacked by one of the silicates. The silicate basically attaches itself to his hand, and they make the quick decision to just, well, chop it off. But, you know, obviously it's better to live with one less hand than die altogether. So, yeah. So, Peter Cushing is now, now him and Luke Skywalker have something in common. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, I, I really, I, I didn't want to underplay that decision at the end, what the doctor almost did. I mean, that had to be really heavy for 1966 audiences to see the hero kind of make the decision to, you know, put his loved one out of their misery so that they don't have to suffer once these creatures break in. I thought that was really progressive. Um, I'm not sure how that hit in 66. What do you guys think? You guys think people even noticed or cared? Because it hit me hard. (laughs) I, I'm, not sure, yeah, I'm not too sure because it depends on the audience. Very yeah, um, I can imagine maybe like you know, like the Saturday matinee kids that would have gone to see this. Maybe it would have been a little kind of like you know, squirm-inducing for them because you know they're just expecting like you know a fun, goofy romp, and you know they're not going to have like an emotional attachment to you know stuff like that or like where the story's going at that point, but I, I wouldn't imagine that like a, any adults would have been paying attention. I, I, I think the kitty audience, the kitty matinee audience would have been the ones that are probably going to have reacted to it the most. Yeah. Yeah. And even Peter Cushing, uh, Peter Cushing's character even gives his blessing. Like at one point, Dr. West looks over at Dr. Stanley and Dr. Stanley gives like that little head nod. Like, yeah, go ahead. It, it's the best thing for everyone. Right. Or at least it's the best thing for her. And this, of course, is Tony, his love interest, played by Carol Gray, who, as I've already said, folks, I am absolutely in love with this woman. Little petite, little five foot nothing lady that probably weighs 97 pounds soaking wet. But wow, those eyes that I mean, the whole package, there's like nothing. And on top of the fact, she can act so talented, beautiful. What else can you ask for? Um, 
Yeah, uh, like I said, uh, we, we kind of went over the ending uh, a little bit already. Our, our silicates have all dropped dead. Um, and then we get uh, not really a post credit scene, but we do get an epitaph where... I love it. Uh, and this yeah. is, yeah, this is actually, I, I'm not usually a fan of these kind of endings, but it worked so well here for me. I genuinely loved it. Um, basically... After uh, the Irish town rids themselves of all the silicates, our remaining doctors kind of look at each other and they're like, well, wait a minute. If if they came up with this here, what could be happening at other labs around the world? Because obviously this isn't the only lab working on the cure for cancer. So uh, fast forward to Tokyo, Japan. We see an Asian scientist walking into a lab and uh, I, I forget what he was carrying exactly, but... Um, after he walks into the lab, we hear the familiar sound of the silicates. The silicates do have a very similar, a very um, distinguishing sound, very much like the ants and them. Like when you hear the sound, you know you're fucked. Um, yeah. At one point in the movie, the constable heard that sound and actually went towards it. And I was I was doing that. Uh, that old lady in the theater yelling at the screen, why would you follow that side? That sound, uh, that sound <laughs> screams, get the hell out of here. Like there's nothing welcoming about that sound at all, but uh, there goes our poor constable, you know, going to investigate and he gets taken out, unfortunately. But yeah, so many good things about this movie, you know, between its basic story, it's acting, it's dialogue, that great ending, you know, a, a fairly satisfying finale in the Irish town with a very cool uh, ending scene. I mean, guys, this I, I I might have to say this is one of the films I enjoyed the most that we've done so far. This was just a surprise to me. Like I said, um, I'm the kind of person that looks at a creature feature and the creatures are usually the be all end all. Just like werewolf movies. For me, werewolf movies are made or broken by their transformation. Obviously, we talked about 1941's Wolfman in episode two, which kind of breaks that mold because it's not about the transformation. It's about the story and, and the characters and everything else. So here we are. Another movie subverts my expectations of creature features and actually gives me a good, compelling story. Um, like I might buy this movie. This is a legitimate purchase for me. This is something I could definitely watch on an annual basis. I've already, you know, mentioned my love of Peter Cushing. So that all makes sense. So yeah, guys, I can't, if you have not seen Island of Terror and you're still with us, do yourself a favor and check it out. If you're a fan of 60s creature features and 60s creature features with compelling human characters, great relationships, great stories. And one thing that Derek mentioned earlier that I also wanted to highlight was the fact that there was very little confrontation in this movie. Usually, you know, in an Irish town, when a couple of Englishmen come into town and start saying, oh, you've got monsters loose on the island. What do we always get? We get the skeptical, you know, uh, the, the skeptical locals who are making fun of the, the city folks, the city scientists, if you will. But everybody is very accommodating here. Everybody, not to say that everybody blindly believes, but everybody in the town already knows something is going on. Livestock is disappearing. Loved ones are disappearing. So everyone is already convinced that something is happening. So when they actually get the explanation of the silicates, from Dr. Stanley and Dr. West, everybody is very open to it. And I just, ah, that was, that's so refreshing to me because skepticism is just one of the biggest downers to me in horror films. It, it, it's a common thing that we'll have to deal with for the rest of horror history, I'm sure. 
But when I see a movie kind of subvert that expectation and everybody is just very matter of fact, like, okay, yes, we have monsters. Let's get together and let's figure this out. And they do. And it just, to me, just makes a, just an all around better film. So, uh, yeah, guys, uh, if there's, if you guys got anything else to say, please jump in because, uh, I I could talk about this movie for another hour. I really loved it. Yeah, man. Uh, I'm glad that we chose this one because this is one that it's under discussed. I'll use that word. It's, yeah. it's you know it's one that no one ever talks about in the foray of creature features. And I personally, you know, I didn't even know about this. Movie. I got to give a shout out to my co-host of Cinema Attack, Matt. He's the one who told me about this movie. Nice. And then uh, I picked up the Blu-ray from Screen Factory, and I fell in love with the movie right away because. Like I said, I just love movies like this. It's just everything that I like. And, you know, even with the goofy creature design, like mm-hmm. I said, I kind of like that, too, for the movie. Yeah. <laughs> you know, because I just love tentacles in general. <laughs> it's just great shit. And, uh, yeah, everyone just pick up that Blu-ray from Screen Factory. Not, like, loaded with special features. It has a few commentaries, but... The transfer is great. The colors pop, and uh, it's just a great movie and a filmmaker of Terrence Fisher's catalog of movies that you should see. It's definitely worth it, in my opinion. Yeah, yeah. That, that's that's another hole in my viewing that I'm going to have to plug in because I'm pretty sure I've only seen like maybe three or four Terrence Fisher, like The Mummy, Hounds of Baskerville. Um, he did a Frankenstein, Revenge of Frankenstein, I think. Uh, hey, and that might first, be. Oh, he did the first two. Okay, and then I think I've seen Brides of Dracula, too, and that's probably it. So I am very uh, lacking in my Terrence Fisher. So, yeah, based on the strength of this movie alone and the three or four that I've already seen of his, he is someone uh, whose movies I'm going to look out for uh, more, uh, you know, moving forward. Because, yeah, this movie, and for a non-Hammer film, too, this movie was just great. Like I said, just so well written, so well acted, so well shot. Again, I'm 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 sucking this movie's dick, but I'm sorry. I just had such it, a great it, time with it. it it's fun. it's it's uh, tentacle dick. Yes, <laughs> Don. Any closing thoughts? Yeah, um, it's a you know classy, fun romp. Um, you know, it's not boring at all. Like uh, I know a lot of people would probably think, like you know, a '60s creature feature where you don't get the creature until halfway through is going to be boring, but it's not. It's it's a fun time. It keeps you invested because, as we've discussed, the central relationships and characters are fun. The attacks we get are far better than you'd think. Yeah, the effects are a little goofy, but roll with it and you'll have a fun time. Yeah, uh, 100% agree with everything that's been said tonight. Uh, just a great, great, fun movie, too. Despite its very serious nature, there is a great fun factor here. You know, no, no, uh, even even though there is a comedic aspect to it it's definitely not a horror comedy they don't treat the creatures goofy they're very aware of what's happening and it just like i said i i can't talk uh, enough good things about this movie this movie is only at a 6.2 on imdb which is usually a good score for horror but this movie deserves so much better just it just very under discussed underappreciated and hopefully based on what we talked about today some of you guys will go out there, watch it. If you like it, spread the word, my friends. Word of mouth is going to be the best way to get these movies, to get eyes on these movies. So, yeah. 
All right, folks. So that is it for episode five. Quick and painless on this one. Nice. Um, oh, we might have to start picking some divisive movies. Hey, <laughs> I'm down to watch bad movies too. I mean, I can't imagine we're, we're we'll be able to avoid them. Um, but yeah, I'm always down to talk about. You know, the, 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 obviously, you know, uh, people who listen to me have re- might remember some of my epic rants, mostly on Fresh Cuts, but a li- Derek knows a couple, too, from uh, No More Room in Hell. Man, it always seems to be revolved around Mike. I, Mike, I don't think- Mike Merriman's picks, usually, too. <laughs> exactly. So <laughs> go figure. All right, folks. Well, uh, we have not decided on a movie for our February episode, but I'm sure we will discuss it after this, and we'll be back to you guys in a month's time. Once again, I am Mr. Venom on behalf of Derek B. and Don and Nelly. Thank you all so much for joining us, and we hope to see you or to at least uh, hear from you uh, sometime soon. As uh, as we've already previously said, we have the Facebook page. We do have a Twitter account. Um, our Twitter account is at N, uh, what is it? No More Room in Hell abbreviated. So NNMH, blah, 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 all that. Um, and, and Creature Featured, uh, Creature Comforts, excuse me. So if you want to check us out on Twitter, get in on the conversation, by all means, jump in. Hit us up on our Facebook page if, uh, if you have any movie suggestions or some topics that you'd like to hear us tackle on the show. Or if you just want to tell me how wrong I am with everything that I do, by all means, hit us up. I love I love critical feedback. Yeah, general I, feedback in there would be, in general, would just be a lot of fun. So Yeah, I, I'm seeing a lot of people joining the Facebook page. So for those of you who have, thank you. Um, you know, we will continue putting out these shows. We're still kind of just a monthly show, but who knows? That could change depending on our schedules and everything else. But look for us once a month. As I already said, thank you very much for joining us and hope you'll be able to join us next month. Take care, folks. Bye-bye. Later. Adios.